0: The views and recommendations expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be taken or substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your personal medical and mental health providers who may offer you appropriate support regarding your specific psychological needs. I kept my eye on the time left on the clock. I had five minutes left and even though I knew my odds were slim, I was still hopeful. Maybe they would misplaced their phones. Maybe work had gone late and they were finally about to clock out. Maybe, just maybe they were sitting at home staring at their own contact cloud, attempting to craft the perfect message in response to mine. One minute left. Then it happened. All my matches turned gray. They had expired. I put myself out there on an app specifically wanting women to message the man first so as to avoid unwanted conversations and I received nothing back. I sat there for a few minutes and I cried. I don't exactly know how much time passed, I was no longer looking at the clock, but once I wiped my face dry I grabbed my phone and deleted all those failed conversations. I would start again with a new slate. I never expected that finding love online would be so hard, but I also never thought my race would be viewed as undesirable. Katherine Morgan, Writer. Welcome to Race Matters, a race positive production. This is the show where we look at psychology behind everyday life to answer the question, why does race matter? Today, we're talking about bias in online dating. Hey, this is Dr. Nika here, and today we're talking about bias in online dating. If you haven't been paying attention lately, online dating is everywhere, and research has just shown that it is now the number one way the heterosexual couples meet. That's right, way higher than your friends and your grandma and your auntie at church putting you together. It is online dating that's doing the job. Thirty-nine percent of people—that's an increase from twenty-two percent in two thousand nine now meet their spouses, their partners, online. Well, if you live in a big city like me, like New York City, it's actually really good news because who has any time anymore to go out and actually meet people in real life? But the story gets a little bit darker, pun intended, when you drill down into the numbers. So why does race matter? Well, as you may have heard in the opening, for people like Katherine Morgan, a black woman, online dating is not exactly a rewarding experience every time. In 2014, an OkCupid study found that black women and Asian men were the least sought-after groups on their site. Now, in all fairness, it found that most people were more inclined to date someone of their own race, but when it came to interracial dating, black women and Asian men fared the worst. And these findings don't just ring true on OkCupid. A speed dating study at Columbia University found that women were 60% less likely to respond positively to Asian men than to men of their own race. And this was true even among Asian women. They preferred white men. And when it came to interracial dating, women were 33% less likely to choose Asian men compared to men of other races. Now. If you think this is just a heterosexual problem, you are sadly mistaken. Research has also shown that 79% of Asian men, 80% of black men, and 75% of South Asian men report experiencing racism on gay dating sites. In fact, it's quite common on sites like Grindr to see profiles that say, no Asians, no blacks, no curry. I'm here for white boys only. Now, I'm going to be honest. On first brush, reading all this data and these reports, I have to say it made me upset. I'm a black woman, so clearly I have some skin in the game. Again, pun intended. But it was clear, right, that even something that is impartial, supposedly, as a dating app, racism and prejudice was being given a platform. An entire group of people were being marginalized yet again. They were being ignored, dismissed, devalued for no other reason than their racial presentation. And I say presentation because who really knows what you are? They just assume because they look at you and they think that you're something that they don't want. And that's just your skin color deciding all of that. But on second brush, I got curious. I wanted to know why. Why were people blatantly denouncing an entire subset of the population in their quest to find love and romance? I mean, the whole point is to find your one true love, right? So why would you cut off almost half the population in your efforts to do that? Well, I stumbled across a few theories in my quest to answer that very question. The first was that representation matters. Representation in the media, that is. Research found that portrayals of African Americans in the media strongly influence the way that they're perceived in reality. Now, you're probably thinking, duh, I already knew that, but let me give you some hard facts. In 1977, they found that African-Americans were generally portrayed in blue-collar roles. They were seen often portraying characters who were inferior, stupid, comical, immoral, and dishonest in some way. And it found that these stereotypes of African-Americans existed, and it really helped to further this narrative of them being disrespectful, violent, greedy, ignorant, and power-driven. A follow-up study in 2008 revealed that, again, African Americans were seen to support these negative preconceptions in the portrayals seen in the media. And people were considering that to be the truth, to be the reality of it. Here's what researcher Wilbur and Gunter said. They said, viewers come to see what they see and interpret what they see both in light of their own preconceptions and also as reinforcement of such notions. Basically. If you come to the table thinking that African Americans are greedy and criminal and immoral and you see that portrayed in media, then you're more likely to hold fast to those views than you are to dispel them. Think about the movies you've seen with black female lead characters. They're often represented as loud, difficult, highly conflictual. In fact, you even hear that echoed in reality, right? Where people say, I don't wanna date a black woman. She's too difficult. There's too much drama. I can't handle all of that, right? Black women are often portrayed also as very sexually driven and violent, particularly in comparison to white women. Needless to say, if these are the visuals that you're getting of black women, who wants to date them? And as a black woman, I would say, it doesn't really feel fair. It's not how I carry myself, it's not how I see myself, yet the media continually portrays an image supposedly of me that the rest of the world is led to believe. Now, Asian men are in no better position than we are. In fact, when you think about movies, really, really quickly, I'm going to ask you to do an experiment. Without considering Crazy Rich Asians or Last Christmas starring Henry Golding, name one movie with an asian male lead portrayed as attractive and suave go and there is none right it's at least none comes to mind to me immediately anyway and you're probably thinking well jackie chan was in that movie no he was not like the hot guy he was the guy who kicked everybody's butt and the same with bruce lee there really aren't many portrayals of asian men in this debonair james bondy kind of way In fact, oftentimes when you see Asian men in movies, they're displayed as these emasculate, effeminate, asexual, and fairly forgettable characters. And as a society, we then kind of see that emulated. We erase them in consideration. I came across um, a video recently that showed Steve Harvey, when he had his talk show, a person came on his show talking about this book that they would written, and it was titled how asian men can talk to white women in order to get them to date and steve started laughing hysterically and he went on to say that book should basically have two lines in it hey woman do you want to date me says asian man woman says no thank you because according to steve asian men are not at all sexually desirable who wants to date them and when that's the sort of image that we're putting out there that's the understanding that we're holding It really comes up in our online dating choices because we've been told time and time again, Asian men have very little to offer. And so what do you do? You completely erase them as an entire group of people, even in your quest for love. Theory two, the standards of beauty and attractiveness are culture bound. In our Western culture that is the face of a white man and to prove my point recently British paper the Daily Mail declared that Robert Pattinson was the most handsome man in the world think whatever you want about Robert Pattinson but this is what they're projecting Now, they came to this conclusion based on the recommendation of cosmetic surgeon Dr. Julian, or Julian De Silva, I'm assuming that's how he says his name, and he bases his expert opinion on the science, quote-unquote, of the golden ratio of beauty pie. What is the golden ratio of beauty pie, you may ask? Well... It is based on mathematical formula that was derived from the measurements artists and architects of the European Renaissance used to map out their masterpieces. So basically, the ratio is used to explain why some people are considered beautiful and others not. But needless to say, those who use the formula and apply it, the results are often always white men. On the list after Robert Pattinson, we have Henry Cavill, who was Superman. We have Bradley Cooper, Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Needless to say, again, these are only confirming the bias that already exists in our culture. I call that cultural confirmation bias, right? We believe that beauty is found only in a white face. And look, here's some scientific data that says, yep, yeah, it's true. To take it even further, OKCupid co-founder, Christian Rutter he says, beauty is a cultural idea as much as a physical one. And the standard is, of course, set by the dominant culture. And I believe that the data shows that. So again, we have people looking at the data and saying, yeah, it's actually confirming what we already believe and tout in our society. And so we really can't be surprised when we have information sort of confirming our biases right American standards of beauty as we know they touch on every aspect of us from our skin color to our hair texture even whether or not you smiled someone uses that as a marker for your attractiveness and your desirability and whether it's anecdotal or it's presented in the media we have these endorsements and these narratives that elevate white faces above all other faces So really, can we have any doubt as to why public opinion and online dating people prefer white faces over all other faces? Mm -hmm. Theory 3. The anonymity of online dating gives users the room to discriminate and exercise their prejudices without conviction or guilt. Now, if you've ever spent any time in the cesspool that is the comment section of just about any online platform, you are bound to come across some hateful rhetoric and some prejudice, which is often fueled by the shield that's given to us on the computer or on the phone. And online dating obviously is not spared from this. Uh, while some people you know, may behave differently if they met you in person at a bar, a church, at an event somewhere, when they get behind that screen, It's likely that they'll feel emboldened and uninhibited to express their discriminatory preferences and their unkind fetishes, all that serve to dehumanize people of color. Theory four, it's the algorithm. This is something that I've come across in some of the research where people are saying, of course you're seeing bias in online dating. It's not just the users, it's also the algorithms that are being used to match people. They say, look, if we think about how matches are made, it's often based on, well, what was your previous swiping uh, activity? What did that look like? Who are the people you swiped right on and the people you swiped left on? We'll use that to dictate, Who will present to you as potential matches right let's look at your stated preferences for a a potential partner when it comes to race if you're saying that you're only preferring such and such a race then that's what we'll present to you if you yourself are of a certain race and we'll use that to gauge who we will offer as a match to you all of that information goes into to the algorithm and gives us exactly what we put in it actually reminds me of something that my professor used to say in grad school, she would say garbage in, garbage out. Which basically means uh, you give the computer some sort of data that's skewed, then it's very likely that whatever comes out, the analysis, the subsequent report, the usage of it, it's all going to be skewed because the data that you put in was biased to begin with. So, To take it a little bit deeper, a 2019 study out of Cornell University actually examined racial bias on about 25 popular dating sites, and here's what they found. They found that 19 out of the 25 sites requested users give them information about their race, 11 out of the 25 inquired about the racial preferences that users had for potential partners, and 17 out of the 25 allowed their users to search and filter by ethnicity. Basically, you can say, I don't have any interest in one particular ethnic or racial group, and just by that click on your preference sheet, the algorithm will make sure you are not matched with anybody who fits outside of your preferences. And when we do that, we really allow space for discrimination to happen, and it stops us from potentially connecting with someone we might not have initially considered, but could have possibly been a really good match. And so that's sort of what this Cornell study is advocating, they're saying that there is some discrimination and some inherent bias that is filtered into the way that these sites may be operating. And it requires some investigation and some digging. Others argue that if, again, we're looking at attractiveness and, and racial identity as as markers for matching people, then we really have to put into question how are we defining attractiveness? How are we defining which racial groups are allowed to mingle and date across racial lines and and who isn't because again as i've noted early in this podcast we see that black women and men and asian men are often always at the bottom of this list when those filters and when those preferences are allowed to reign let's talk about the psychological impact of online dating as a person of color Countless research studies have documented the powerful negative effects physically and psychologically of racism and discrimination on targets of hate. We see upticks in anxiety, depression, hypertension, diabetes, and low self esteem. All of these come not because someone was mean to you or unkind to you, but directly as a result of racial discrimination. And when we think about online dating, we have to now consider well, what is the psychological impact if you're constantly being exposed to people saying no Asians? No blacks not interested that has to have a toll on a person after a while about one-third of online daters say that they have used the apps because of the limited time that they have in their real life to find a partner but again when we think about the impact of the discrimination that's met when you go online more questioning needs to happen Professor Ryan Wade out of the University of Illinois, he found in a study of about 2,000 black gay and bisexual men who use online dating sites, he found that those black men reported an increase in depressive symptoms and a decrease in their self-worth following experiences of racial rejection, aka sorry I'm only into white guys, even from other black men. And being objectified by white men also perpetuated those types of results. So we see, again, whether it's within the heterosexual community or the LGBTQ community, we're still seeing that there are these lasting negative impacts of racial discrimination through online dating. A 2017 study found that people who regularly use the Tinder app uh, were found to report having lower self esteem and increased body image issues compared to people who never really use the app. And they found that, look, part of this was due to the high value that's placed on appearances via dating sites, but also there's this paradox of choice, which is essentially you have so many options that it becomes distressing for you, the chooser, and it encourages you to sort of treat people in this disposable way. Uh, So when we see that these studies corroborating the, the negative psychological impact of online dating, we really have to dig a bit deeper and really consider... What are we doing to ourselves, right? What are we doing to each other, and how can we be better? How can we be better people? How can we be better partners? And how can we, as a business, if you're Tinder or Bumble or any of these, how can we do a better job of taking care of people who use your platform? So now that I have thoroughly depressed you, what can we do about it? right? Where is the hope? I think it may be tempting to assume that every person on an online dating app who isn't a person of color or may very well be a person of color may just secretly be racist and therefore you shouldn't use it. That's not what I'm saying. There's hope, I believe there's hope. There has to be hope, right? So let's think this through a little bit more. Is it bad to have preferences in your dating? No, if you don't like short guys, you should be allowed to say you don't like short guys. But if you say you don't like all black guys, that may be problematic because oftentimes when we are completely pushing out an entire group of people based on a stereotypic belief or some sort of stereotypic quality we really are covering racism and bias and prejudice in this idea of virtue and piety and right of choice and that actually undermines our ability to move forward and to grow and be better people and be a better society. So this isn't an attack on your preferences. This isn't an attack on your right to be autonomous in your dating choices. It is a call to say, let's examine some of the choices that we're making and really see what's motivating it. So how do we do that? I've got a few ideas that I encourage you to consider. The first is identify your own biases. Now, you may be very tempted in this moment to say, Dr. Nika, I have no biases, I've done the work, I'm progressive, I voted for Barack Obama two times, and if he were to run for a third time, I would vote for him again. I'm sorry to inform you that's not enough. Okay, we gotta do more work. So really, stop for a second, just pretend with me. Pretend that someone came up to you and said, hey, I've got this really amazing person that you should date and this person's of a racial minority group or just of a group, racial group that's different from your own. What are some thoughts and feelings that just arise initially? Really, think about it, right? The point of it isn't to protect our ego or to go into this self-protecting phase. The goal is to really acknowledge and see if there are any hang-ups that we may have that again, may be couched in the name of personal preference. So if we're thinking, Hmm, I'm not really excited about that idea of dating that guy. Well, what is it about him? Do you know nothing else about him except that he belongs to that particular racial group? That may be indicative that there's some work that you need to do. I would also encourage you to reflect on your social circle. Who's in it? Are there any people of other racial and ethnic groups belonging to your very close-knit social circle. Now again, please do not mention the janitor down the hall or the really sweet old lady who lives across the street that you only see on Sunday mornings. We're talking about the people that you consider close, the people you call in the middle of the night, the people you would spend your last five minutes on earth with. Who are those people? And are there any people of color or people outside of your racial group in that? Because if not, the messages that you receive about people of color, the messages that you receive about other groups, may be fueled and fostered and nurtured within those social circles. And if they're not challenged, if they're not explored, then again, it may be reflected in your dating choices. It may be reflected on your profile. It may be reflected in who you swipe right and swipe left on. Now again, this may sound a little bit like work, and you know what? It is. It's work. But if you're committed truly to eliminating bias in your online dating preferences and practices, if you're truly committed to holding yourself and others accountable and really reducing the negative impact that racial discrimination has on so many of its targets, then it's work worth doing. My second recommendation is to be intentional with your dating. You know, rather than simply dismiss an entire race of people, Consider instituting a swipe right rule or a say yes rule to at least one person outside of your racial group with the intent of breaking down your own stereotypes and your own biases. Obviously, you want to pick people you actually have an attraction to, you have shared interests, shared values, a connection with, but don't use discriminatory practices as a filter for deciding who to date go for coffee engage in a conversation have a date with somebody with the intent of expanding your dating pool and challenging your unexamined assumptions don't just cut off an entire group of people that's again not going to help you and it's certainly not going to help us eliminate racism bias and prejudice in our world my third recommendation would be to have realistic expectations of an app the goal as much as we would love to isn't to make every single potential suitor fall hopelessly in love with you. The goal is probably to have some fun and hopefully to connect with someone who actually is a good fit. So if you find that you're expecting more from the app than it can realistically give, maybe validation for your sense of worth, a sense of desirability, then I would encourage you to reevaluate the appropriateness of your usage. Come up with the new goals for using the app that can actually be met. Cultivate healthy spaces outside of your online community where you can be affirmed socially and supported socially. So that way, the app isn't your end all be all. That even if you encounter really awful experiences of racism and discrimination, your entire worth and sense of self does not crumble at the foot or the feet of those people. The next recommendation I have is pretty simple take a break. I mean it go outside smile say hello say yes to somebody who is not online get out of that tunnel vision because it's so very easy to get consumed by online dating that you forget that there's a bigger world outside your door in order to do that I recommend setting end times for when you're going to get off the app rather than just indefinitely swipe back and forth all day long all year long perhaps institute a one-month three-month interval for usage Consistently allowing yourself to have some sort of break. By doing that, you really get to remind yourself again of the larger world outside. It helps to mitigate perhaps some of the negativity that you're taking in in this constant stream of swiping right, swiping left, and allows you to just take care of yourself better. would uh, even go so far as to say, consider instituting limits on maybe the frequency or even the duration of your usage per day. So rather than losing copious hours swiping and scrolling multiple times a day, maybe you contract with yourself to go on the app twice a day, but for no more than 30 minutes at a time. So that way, the breaks are built in even in this one-month, three-month cycle that you're operating on. It just allows you to remember that you are a whole person who's worthy and valuable and deserving of love, and whether or not a person online sees it, it changes nothing about you. The last thing I would say is report any inappropriate messages or contacts that you've received from other users. It may seem like a hassle, and sometimes it actually is a hassle, but there's some real damaging effects that come from constantly being berated and demeaned and devalued online. Taking that extra step may actually help to lower the likelihood that you or even another person would have to be subject to such harmful behaviors. So consider it your kind act for the day for the month for the year but when you encounter such terrible experiences with another user i do think it's quite valuable and quite powerful to say okay no someone's got to know about this and this person has to be held accountable the anonymity of being online is not going to be your salvation we will let someone know about this and then now puts the onus on the makers and the operators of the app to to do a better job of policing and making sure that all of their users have a healthy and safe environment when they log on. So there you have it. Those are my thoughts for how you can take care of yourself in the jungle that is online dating. Really, it's it's supposed to be something good and fun and light, and I know that all that I've shared before probably doesn't make it feel that way or seem that way, but these are important matters. And I think when we consider how we engage with the world and with something as seemingly benign as online dating, we have to realize that love matters, but you know what? So does race now that you're pumped and ready to do something here's a good action step for you read the book the Sun is also star by Nicola Yoon I'm recommending this book because it tells the story of a Korean American male who falls in love with a Jamaican-born immigrant who's undocumented and she's about to be deported one of the reasons I love this story is because it tells a tale of two people of color in a positive light and talks about them falling in love and who doesn't like love especially on an episode that was all about online dating. This is Dr. Nika and I'm so glad and grateful that you took the time today to spend with me because these issues matter. The way that we give and receive love matters, the way that we feel about ourselves and others matter, the way that we understand race and its weight on our lives matters. Race matters. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. If Eric didn't kill his mother. Mother did. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>